two weeks ago, I, or about a week and a half ago, I sat, I met with Jimmy, and we're talking about various things of the work that's going on over here, Jimmy Hickman, that is, and one of the things that we ended up talking about led to a comment that I made that we're going to have a sermon on this audience of one. It's based on something that I've heard um, regarding our walk with the Lord, and it also was right at the same time when I had a talk with our daughters about certain activities and the reputation that we hold as Christians and as far as the Davis Nation is concerned that I think is reflective on how we present ourselves before men, whether it be brethren or those outside the body of Christ. But as I was considering and reflecting more and more on the sermon over the last week and a half, two weeks, it made me consider myself. When we consider the things that we do on a day-to-day basis, you know, it has a lot to do with our walk. For instance, last week we talked about glorifying our God through our weaknesses. In other words, because of our weaknesses and through our weaknesses, it's more easy for us to see our Heavenly Father. In contrast to someone who maybe they're, they're eloquent in their speech. And so we start praising how good that speaker is or how hard that worker is, and we we look at that individual and fail to see our primary person that we glorify, and that's God. And so we're told in, in the text here that whatever we do, we do all to the glory of God. Everything that we do. And that's what Paul was telling the brethren at Corinth, and that's the thing that we need to be doing. Well, what I want to focus on is the purpose then of that this morning. You know, why is it that we magnify our God? And the Scriptures make it very clear that everything we do is to magnify His name. In other words, we exalt our God. We exalt the name of our God. And amazingly, when people hear you say that, they begin to think of their own life before the Lord. Like, does He really exist? And He does exist Well, I had not been living my life before Him. What I have found, just personal observation, and it may not be true for you as as I've seen it in my life. I have seen people outside the body of Christ that are very religious-minded talk more about the Lord than many of my brothers and sisters in Christ. That shouldn't be. Brethren, if we have a wonderful relationship with God, Why not share it with everyone, right? Why not? If your wife and your husband is so good, you want to tell everyone about it, right? Let everyone know. If that meal you ate was so wonderful, don't you share it? That vitamin you got that was so good, that herb you got that was so wonderful, whatever it is, don't we not share that kind of news? If our God is so good, why not? Magnify His name. That's the very purpose of our existence. We've talked about that recently, and we know then that everything we do is to please Him, to honor Him, to glorify Him, whether it's through our thoughts in private, our words, and our actions in public. So, what we're looking at is the fact that whatever we do, we do it all for our God. Everything. Makes me think of that Robin Hood movie. Everything I do, I do for you. Everything. And so when we talk about these things, then it reminds me of, well, why is it that I do the things that I do? 
And it sometimes, if I'm brutally honest with myself, it's sometimes very humbling and shameful when I reflect upon reasons why I've done it. Not that I'm trying to do it conscientiously, but when I reflect back upon those things. Tell me if I'm the only person that has gone through this. That the things that we do, we do it for recognition. We do it for compliment. Now, whoever wants to raise their hand and say, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Gordon does. <laughs> Good, honest man. You know, we don't want to say that, but it happens. We want to be recognized for the things that we do, especially when it's in service to the Lord. We want to be complimented. It encourages us. But is that the reason why we do the things that we do? Is it to win, to make friends? I sound like Dale Carnegie. <laughs> is that the reason why we do the things we do? I remember when I was in elementary school, we had... I'm not going to say his name, just in case he's going to ever listen to the sermon, which I doubt he will. But I remember this, this classmate of mine, he would bring Lee Himui. Y'all don't know what Lee Himui is. You're from Nashville, from Tennessee. <laughs> it's a Japanese-type candy, if you will, a seed, a plum. And, and he would bring all the different flavors to school. And boy, everyone was his friend for about five minutes. And when he ran out, all his friends were gone. It made me think of that. Why is it that we do these things? Is it to uphold a reputation because of who we are, the congregation we belong to, the family name that we have? Is it for that reason? Is it simply to just look good? That I'm an elder, I'm a preacher, I'm a Bible class teacher, I'm a member of the, the Franklin Church of Christ. So whatever it is, is it for that reason? For reputation's sake? Well, let me ask you this. Is pleasing men wrong? Well, if we were to answer it biblically, the answer would be no. Because we're told in 1 Corinthians 11, when you read verses 31 through 33, that's what I was going to have Ken to read. <laughs> we're told to be pleasing to men. Look at what the Scripture says here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 Actually, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, chapter 10. I got the wrong passage here on Scripture. Chapter 10, verse 31. It says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. So whether those outside the body of Christ, whether it be Jews or Greeks or Gentiles, that is, or whether it's going to be before the church, give no offense. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. What was the contextual difference by pleasing men? Is it pleasing men for your personal gain? No. You're pleasing men for their benefit. But how then does that fit with what we're talking about? Well, we're told that in Romans 15, similar situation, about being pleasing to all men. It's so that we are pleasing to our God. In other words, we're not pleasing men so that we look good. We're pleasing men because it is in harmony with the will of God. Because the way in which we're pleasing them, in other words, whatever I do, you know, to the Jews I became as a Jew, to the Gentile as a Gentile, to those under the law as under the law, and so on and so forth. We, we looked at that recently. We're doing that because that is the will of God. 
we know that that pleases God. We're not doing it to be men pleasers. We're pleasing men because the way in which we please men is in harmony with His will. That's our focus. In other words, there are times when I will preach something from the pulpit that may not be popular. So do I then not preach that from the pulpit? Because that's going to offend some brethren. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, every Sunday I'm going to offend someone here. Every gospel meeting that I've, I've done in the past. Well, I mean, I've had darting eyes looking at me. I know that if I'm going to preach what I honestly, convictingly believe to be true, it's still going to offend someone. It happens. So why then do I preach? Why do you stand up for what you have so convictingly believed as the truth? To be pleasing to God, right? And if that's the case, you won't be pleasing to men at times. But if we do the will of God, there are going to be often enough times, situations in which we will be pleasing to men. And we do things because it will be pleasing to them. It will be beneficial for their lives. That's how pleasing men is not wrong. And so, within this motivation, then, we please men in a manner that's harmonizing with the will of God. So that brings us, then, to the, the thrust of what we're talking about. Whatever we're going to be doing, if we're doing it all to the glory of God, what does it look like? What I'm going to share with you is something you already know. I'm not, so I'm not sharing any new information for you, but I'm hoping it'll refresh you. It'll refresh you in the way that you think of how your day goes about every single day. Stop and think about the things that we do. And think about the scriptures that are given for us in showing what Jesus did. There's no better example, right? We are told in Hebrews 1, also in other passages in Hebrews, and everywhere else in scripture, that our Savior is the expressed image of our God. Just read the first two chapters, three chapters in Hebrews. And we see Him, the express image of our God. And when He came down to this earth, He gave us a great example of what it's like to be a 12-year-old. He gave us a great example of what it was like to begin seeking the business of His Heavenly Father. He gives us a great example of what it's like to have no fear. Like He said in Matthew chapter 10, verse... Uh, 28. Don't fear those who can kill the body but cannot destroy the soul. Fear him who is able to destroy body and soul in heaven. That's what Jesus told his disciples. Do you believe that Jesus actually walked that walk? He didn't have fear for men. He didn't even fear Satan himself. Because he was pleasing his Father in heaven. And he showed that as a great example to his disciples. Brethren, think about that example. There are times when we might show that we are men-pleasers in a bad way. The way in which we deny our God. We fear them rather than my Father. That ought not to be. Jesus showed us no fear. Jesus also showed us a life, whether it be privately or publicly. When you look at um, Matthew chapter... 14, and read of his, his walk, 
Remember when he had sent his disciples ahead of him, they went into the boat, they run across the other side of, of Lake Galilee. And then while they're doing that, Jesus disperses all the multitude that he had been teaching. And then what does he do? After such a public day, in private, he goes off to pray alone. What did he do? He didn't simply, okay, disperse everyone, but everyone's going to see, okay, now, I'm going to show them how a prayer should really be. Kenny read for us out of Matthew chapter 6. When, when he was reading verses 5 and 6, there are reasons why people pray. Some people do it so they can be seen by men. I mean, just think of the, the priests and all they did to their garments, over and beyond what was prescribed, according to the Word. You know, broadening their phylacteries. I can just imagine those tassels getting a little bit longer than they used to be. Imagine when they walked, had a little shake in that leg so that tassel would ring a little louder. Whatever it was, it could be seen by men. They wanted the praise from men. They wanted those compliments. What happened? And what it does then, again, it brings exaltation to me rather than to my God. That's what we looked at last week. We miss the purpose when we do that. Jesus always brought glory to his God. That's what we see. He did it privately and he did it in public. So if we're going to be followers of our Savior, then we're going to follow that example in the way that we worship him. That when we pray to him, think of the challenge this morning. If you didn't get a bulletin, get one. It's a real simple challenge. The first thing you do when you wake up, before you brush your teeth, before you read that morning newspaper, before you get that first sip from that coffee that you need, if it's at least five minutes, five little measly minutes that we waste so easily and yet are so significant to your walk with Him. Start off your day that's your challenge this week. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands next Sunday because I'm not going to be doing the sermon. <laughs> but I want you to ask yourself that question. Did I for the week? Did I go ahead and start my day off? Some of you may already be doing that. Maybe a lot of you are. Hopefully all of us are. We start our day with Him. We go through our day with Him. We end our day with Him. But start your day. That's your challenge. Do it in private. Whether it's you literally go into your closet or whether you're going through that metaphoric closet in your mind, but someplace where you can privately spend time with your Father in heaven. Do that. Jesus taught us that. When he was confronted by Satan in Matthew chapter 4, in verse 10, he told Satan very clearly, there's no other that we worship. And if, in fact, God created us to give Him glory, then we should have our whole day given over to Him. And what I mean by that, it's not from a practical standpoint, meaning you can't work, can't do your jobs, can't take care of your family. What it does mean when, when we're told in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing, it's a generic statement. It's not a literal statement. If that were the case, we couldn't work. And if a man doesn't work, uh-oh, now we got scriptures contradicting one No. means that our lives is full of prayer and praise to our God throughout each day. 
because we worship no other than Him. And then we'll joyfully teach and admonish one another. Isn't that what Ephesians 5.19 says? We focus so much on Ephesians 5.19 as if that is the passage that deals with instrumental music. No, that passage was talking about how we build each other up. Teaching, admonishing one another through hymns, through those psalms, through those spiritual songs. About what? About our Lord, the one that we're praising. Giving Him thanks. Exalting His name alone. That's the reason. And so, brethren, can you imagine? Now, imagine when you're by yourself at home. You guys ever sing songs just praising God? I mean, you belt it out like you're in the shower and no one's ever listening to you. But the rest of the family are. (laughs) Just in your own world, praising God. And then when you're publicly, not for the sake of being man-pleasers, that is, so that you receive the compliments of men, but that you let everyone know about your God. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 through 31, what I tell you in private, you go and you teach it on the rooftops. Do that. Let everyone know how great we have a God. God that we serve every day. A God that we love to serve every day. That His commandments are not burdensome, just as John says in 1 John 5. That's our God. So from the closet to the street corner, and by the way, street corner is next Saturday. At the, oh, yeah, thank you. David gave me a note. Singing at the barlers, 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Everyone, not just us young people. <laughs> everyone that wants to come, the barlers thing. So that whether we do it privately or publicly, Always, always giving Him the glory. Brethren, this is such a simple, simple, simple lesson. We fail to practice it on a daily basis as a a whole group that we're known to be such. They're always talking about the Lord, always praising Him, how wonderful He is, that God can use us as His servants that bring glory to His name. That's the worship that we give. And that's the, the, the same way that we serve Him. We're told in 1 Corinthians 6, we always talk about sexual morality, using our body. We use about so many different things for our Bible studies on 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. But the bottom line is, Jesus purchased us with His shed blood. And because we are owned by Him, we serve Him. He owns us 24-7. So we serve Him 24-7. Not just when it's Sunday morning and my job is to preach a sermon or to lead a Bible class, or that I'm a Bible class teacher and then my job is to serve. 24 hours a day, we always are serving Him. That's what Romans chapter 12, remember? The first two verses in Romans 12? That we present our bodies a living sacrifice. As he goes on to say, the last part of verse 2, holy and acceptable, well-pleasing to our God. We serve Him when no one else is looking. We work for Him when no one else sees. When you're all by yourself, you're giving service to God. When no one else sees it, but God does. He sees you in secret, giving Him glory. Now you understand what it's like to be a Christian whose reward is there. Because God is going to reward you openly. 
And when others see us serve the Lord, as unto the Lord. They see us not just doing something like, for instance, <laughs> tell me if this is not true, children, and in us parents when we were children, that when our parents told us to do something, when they walk away, somehow we just kind of let our guards down. We don't clean that room. We don't do that chore as diligently. But surely enough, especially if mom and dad have a reputation of getting on to you, you walk in the room and somehow they kick it into high gear. That happens. When we, if we're mature in the faith, when we are serving our God, don't just kick it in high gear when we see brothers and sisters in Christ. But when we are serving our God in secret. So it affects the way we, we live. First Peter 3 with wives. That we serve with such humility that your husbands who do not obey the word would be won over by your conduct because they see you as serving as unto the Lord. So let me tell you, as husbands, if we're not living our life the way we need before our wives, they're sure not doing it for bounty points. It's a sacrifice to, to deal with a husband who is disobedient to the Word of God. And it's just as much a sacrifice as a husband serving in the household with the role that God has given him with a wife that's not obedient to the Word of God. But you do it because it's pleasing to your God and you may win over your spouse. Brethren, all these things lead up to that last question. Who's your audience? Every day. Ask that question. Who's my audience? When, when I get up and I'm praying, is it because it's just the challenge that, that was presented for this week? Is it because I want my family to see that I am the example? Well, it may be. It may be that you're wanting to be that example, but you're doing it for their benefit, not so that you get to be, look at me, how good I am and how much better I am than you. That's the furthest thing. So that I get compliments from you. That's the furthest thing. It's because our God in heaven deserves all the glory. That's the purpose. 